Money FM 89.3, best of the breakfast huddle. Why it matters on Money FM 89.3. Money FM 89.3. Good morning. It's the Breakfast Huddle. Elliot Danka, Bharati Jagdish, and Ryan Huang. Today, the question on why it matters is how many passwords do you have? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> to share, <laughs> Can you remember I all of them? I can't even count. I think I told you yesterday, right, Elliot? I've got this notepad on which I've written down all uh, the passwords. Yo. Okay, there's Password Manager online as well, but I've heard yeah. so many things about that may, how that may not be secure either. <laughs> so when you ask, how many? I don't even know what to say. I actually have it with me here. I'll count. Okay, later and tell you. <laughs> it's too embarrassing. Okay. Okay. Yeah. You can tell our guests so he'll have something to say for sure. What about this, you, man? I encountered this, you know, I, mm. I have a few mm. passwords and somehow or rather I have a system that helps me remember what I would put in there. Mm. Although recently I had this problem. I typed in the wrong password. Mm-hmm. I couldn't remember and it was actually that simple. And then after that, I received this notification. Do you want to remove your password? and just have access to everything on your app. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you, that's something I go through with SingPass uh, and I, I get scared when I forget the password. Mm-hmm. Would you mm-hmm. dare to do something like that? You know, like just go passwordless? Yeah, I know what you mean because that's what ha- well, that's what happened with SingPass and a lot of us are experiencing it, right? Sometimes I'm mm. not sure. You see, I don't like too many passwords but when there is no password, I feel a little like, eh, is this really okay? Or is mm. this unsafe? Is this insecure? Then you have the 2FA and all that. Oh, it's also complicated, mm, isn't it? Yeah. Correct. Correct. Well, Microsoft wants to do that. Remove passwords completely. Mm. I don't know, man. Let's let's try and dive into this topic a little bit and try and understand it better with Andrew Shikea, who is Executive Director of Fido Alliance. Andrew, how do you do? I'm well. Thank you for so much for having me. And you're calling us all the way from the lovely city of Los Angeles. Oh, I, I was there about three years ago. Love the place. Let's start off by talking about Fido Alliance. Uh, tell us more about it. Yeah, so thanks. So Fido Alliance is a consortia of around 250 companies worldwide working together to create open standard technology to help people get rid of being dependent on passwords, like it sounds like both of you are very familiar with. Mm. Uh, so Fido Alliance creates these technologies, certified products against it, and then we you know, help companies be successful as they seek to implement passwordless strategies. Can you go into the finer points of this passwordless strategy? I mean, how, how exactly does it work? You know, So what's really keeping you secure and what are the ins and outs of it in terms of the user? Yeah, absolutely. That's a great question. Um, and, and let's kind of maybe should back up for a second and talk about the fundamental problem that passwords present. Mm. You know, the, the reason why Fido got started on this mission really is because of the data breach problem. And it's hard to, you know, go a week without hearing about a massive data breach where, you know, tens of millions or hundreds of millions or billions of identities are stolen and sold on the dark web. And the fact of the matter is the vast majority of data breaches, upwards of 80%, are caused by weak passwords. Uh, so someone finds a password and, and, you know, plugs it into the network and, and gets access to sensitive resources. So, you know, we need to move beyond passwords in order to you know, turn the tide against data breaches and all sorts of other identity-related crimes. Fundamentally, what we need to do as a market is move away from not just passwords, but any sort of knowledge-based authentication, so things you know, and move towards a method of authentication that's based on what you have or who you are. And, and so the, 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 you know, what we do is, you know, it's a mouthful, but it's called asymmetric public key cryptography, which is a lot to say. But basically, instead of having a password on the server and the, and the secret in your head, we use uh, what's called a, a cryptographic key pair. 
and a, a public key is on the server, and then the, the, the valuable part, the private key, is stored safely on their device. And that's only activated if you can prove that you're in possession of the device. So using a biometric or simply touching the device or entering a local PIN. The fundamental difference, though, is that none of the information is transmitted over the Internet. Nothing that's human-readable can be stolen, manipulated, fished, or anything like that. So that's a, the, the core kind of te- technical approach for how this works. But then, Andrew, the one vulnerability then would be the device itself. If, let's say, like what I recently encountered, having this sort of crypto thing on, on your smartphone and you lose your smartphone, what happens in that scenario? Yeah, and you hit on the, the key challenge here. is It's, it's called recovery. You know, what happens when you lose access to your account or if you lose possession of, of, your, of your device? So that's something we're working on now is you know, to have you know, more secure mechanisms to you know, help people recover their accounts. You know, so some general you know, strategies are to have you know, multiple devices that, that have, you know, have access to your public key. The public key has no value, right? So you can mm-hmm. have multiple handsets sync to that. You have multiple security keys, external devices that, you know, that, you, that will help ease recovery. And then most significantly, though, and this is really the future of, of passwordless, I think, uh, most significantly, back in June, Apple announced something they call PassKey. Uh, they announced an intent to release what they call uh, iCloud PassKey. And basically what they're doing there is replacing, you know, using the iCloud keychain, which is right now allows you to basically function as a password manager. But instead of putting complex passwords on each website, they're doing these key pairs. And what's different about you know, this approach with PassKey versus traditional means of possession-based authentication is that it's synced across the cloud so that if you lose your you know, device, you can recover it with another device. And it's not just Apple is committed to this vision, but also Microsoft and Google are very much committed to this as well. So I think that the future of passwordless will look a lot like the user experience you have now, perhaps with a password manager. But the key difference is that there's never a password that goes on the server. Because even a complex password, mm-hmm. you know, very hashed, you know, machine-generated password, mm-hmm. can still be stolen, can still be fished. And we need to get away from that approach. Mm-hmm. You know, this passwordless scenario that you're describing, I mean, it's, it's already happening in some respects, right? But I know it's supposed to improve things in the sense that be more secure than what we have currently, which is more widespread, mm-hmm. right? All those passwords. But... Surely it can't be 100% secure. There must be some vulnerabilities in this structure as well. Well, I mean, it's, you know, the, the vulnerability is, is, is narrowed down to the individual you know, user, right? So as opposed to someone being able to be you know, a remote hacker, say, from Russia, you know, phishing people and then you know, stealing you know, mass numbers of identities, you know, someone can still come up to you and force you, you know, physically to touch your device. Right? But that's a different type of attack that you know, no, no technology is really going to prevent. For the vast majority of consumers, this is a far more secure and better way of logging in. Because what it does, again, it, it takes away the threat of their account getting taken over. And, and account takeovers happen all the time. Phishing attacks happen all the time. A well-designed phishing attack, right? So a, a, you're not your kind of lazy you know, Nigerian prince scheme, but a well-designed phishing attack has over a 45% success rate. Right? So, so we as human beings just aren't trained to you know, thwart hackers and fishers. They're very good at their jobs, and we're not as good at preventing it as they are at their jobs. So we need to basically take the human element out of the equation to help, you know, help people de-risk their online lives. Mm-hmm. Andrew, here's a million-dollar question, uh, or maybe it's worth even more than that. How hard is it to get business on board? How hard is it to integrate this? And you know, when, where or when do you see us going into that place where we're, we're passwordless, safe in that sense? Yeah. yeah. So that, I mean, that's, that is the, the, the big dollar question. The good news is 
you know, over the past two or three years, we've seen very aggressive support for what we produce, phytoauthentication in devices from all the leading operating systems, all the leading browsers, all the leading platforms. So virtually every device that's being unboxed right now has this built into it. It's built in the web browser. It's built into the operating system for every Android, Windows, and Apple device on market today. Right? That's, that's the vast majority of devices. So that takes away the complexity from a service provider who wants to deploy FIDO passwordless solutions. And so we're seeing more and more companies actually now take advantage of this because, of course, there's a corresponding technology that allows developers to use web authentication to, you know, very quickly actually using, you know, some, some common code to implement this on websites that will then you know, marry up to the broad device support we've, we've seen growing over the past couple of years. So it's not you know, a matter of snapping your fingers, but it, it, the technical piece really isn't something that is overwhelming. That being said, you know, I heard you guys ch- chatting before I came on. Bardi is talking about how it feels uncomfortable to go passwordless. And, and so I think really the challenge is, is more of a behavioral and user education challenge. And we've done a lot of studies on this as well, which is that when someone logs in, basically you know, the proposition that we have is that what you use to unlock your device is what you can do to log in to anything, and it's fully secure. People are used to having some friction. So if, if using your fingerprint to authorize transaction feels funny, it's because we're not used to that. And so it's going to take some time to help service providers educate consumers and to help educate consumers that, yes, indeed, this actually is more secure than you know your mother's maiden name plus a number and exclamation point, because it, it, it is. So you know, we have a number of programs we're putting in place to help accelerate this education and also help guide service providers who want to use passwordless on the best way to get their users on board and, and, and using passwordless uh, user flows. Mm. Are some service providers in certain markets more receptive than others? I mean, could you give us an idea of what the take-up rate like is, what the receptiveness is like? Yeah, so there's multiple ways to do this, right? And, and I think it's, it's a multi-step process. Right. So right now, you can basically use you know, the device login to log into a number of major sites. Now, the key thing to understand, though, is that it's an interim step because, by and large, there's still a password on the server. But as you look at any, you know, any native app that you have, any mobile app generally uses a biometric or gives that capability, and a lot of those are using FIDO technology. On the web, we see services like eBay, eBay.com. Um, right now, if you, if you have an eBay account, you can log in there to, when you log in, that gives you the option of using your fingerprint or your, your device biometric instead of using a password. We've seen many mobile operators in, in Asia Pacific you know, lead with this entity Docomo uh, line. You know, line does a lot of work across all their product lines FIDO authentication, Samsung Pay, a lot of mobile payment apps are all using FIDO. A tonic Bank, the, the Neo Bank in, in the Philippines, is embracing FIDO. So, you know, we're, we're seeing, I think, the financial sector move probably most quickly, but also, you know, major social media you know, networks are also adding support for FIDO. Facebook, Twitter, groups like that are using not biometrics per se, but allow you to use a, a, an external security key as a second factor on, on top of your password to help harden and protect those accounts. Andrew, I, I got to admit, I'm a huge fan of science fiction. And, and when I found out we were going to be chatting about this, I wondered to myself, what would the future look like? If I get rid of the infrastructure in my hand, say my, my phone device, and mm-hmm. the infrastructure existed, say, everywhere in a shopping mall, my eyes can unlock passwords, right? <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. So, like, look, we don't, we don't, well, there's a couple of things to, to keep in mind, though, right? So, I mean, biometrics are a very great technology, but it's also very sensitive technology. And so, so FIDO believes that the biometrics should never leave the device, right? So, basically, what happens when you, when you use a FIDO, you're logging into the device, like, say, your fingerprint or your face and all that stuff, 
your fingerprint never leaves your handset. So we, you know, we're against having big biometric databases for you know mainstream consumer applications. But when you talk about things like IoT or network cars, network devices, all those things have the capabilities to securely store your biometric. And then once once you've matched that, they basically send a you know cryptographic signal to the service that yes, this is indeed who who, who it's meant to be. So yes, I think the future. You know, the, the future of passwordless, I often get this question, what's it look like? And what, how are we going to know when we get there? And I don't think there will be a big aha moment. I think, you know, slowly but surely, the, the passwordless flows and the passwordless experience will just kind of wean its way into your life. And, and I think the best analogy here and the, the best you know, thing to point to is that of, you know, handset biometrics, mm-hmm. right? So, you know, it's the first Galaxy handset, the first iPhone Touch ID it was a you know, pretty you know, revolutionary concept. And people were asking, well, why do I need to use this if I can use a PIN? But what, they, what these companies did was they really started to consumerize authentication, right? So first of all, it's the first time people are actually locking their phones, which, which was good, but then they, they're consumerizing biometrics. And all of a sudden, you know, yes, I, I'm an iPhone user, so if I don't have Touch ID or Face ID, I'm disturbed. It makes, it makes my life harder. But I'm now accustomed to using those things to log into my phone but also websites and apps and stuff like that. And so the passwordless future, that user flow, that user experience will look a lot like that. But behind the scenes, you know, we're going to de-risk things by taking the passwords off the servers, replacing those with public keys. And I think, you know, generally, you know, between FIDO and other kind of continuous authentication technologies, there will be ways to securely log people into things on an ongoing basis without requiring this knowledge-based authentication which again is, you know, like a, a, a friend of hackers. <laughs> it's mm. not a friend of us as consumers, it's a friend of hackers because anything knowledge-based can and will be stolen. Here's the thing, Andrew, we talked about some resistance, right, in some quarters, and uh, I've heard mm-hmm. that it has a lot to do with legacy systems, you know, they, they, and they're so used mm-hmm. to dealing with the whole password thing, and they're saying, hey, my consumers are not really complaining, they're used to it too. Why should I mm-hmm. switch to something different? So how would you make a business case for this, really, in a nutshell? Yeah, uh, and that's a great point, you know, so so many of these banks, like, so people want to adopt passwordless, but, you know, people, if you're, like, a large financial services institution, you've acquired a bunch of companies, you still have data sitting on tape drives. Your passwordless isn't your top, your top priority necessarily. But the business case is, is simple. Or to me, it's very straightforward. First of all, you want to de-risk things because password, you know, passwords and depending on passwords can lead to data breaches. Data breaches can cost you millions or if not tens of millions or more directly of, of theft and, and fraud costs, not to mention the reputational damages. Right? So that's a, a cost avoidance. Secondly, you know, passwords are a huge cost in and of themselves. So password resets inside a company you know, cost, cost a mid-sized enterprise you know, millions of dollars a year. Just the cost of getting those you know, managed, administered, reset, even, even when they're automated. You know, there's significant costs associated with that, not to mention lack of productivity. So I, I think that you know, the, the benefits of moving to a, like a, a, a possession-based approach for authentication de-risks things, right? Because passwords ultimately are a liability for an organization to manage. It takes that, takes that risk out of the equation and also you know, makes for more productive employees and more satisfied customers. Thank you very much for that, Andrew. Andrew Shikiar is Executive Director of FIDO Alliance. Thanks for joining us today, Andrew. You take care, yeah? Thank you for having me. It's very nice to talk to you. Thank you. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.